We're so glad you could join us today here on Rise of the GM. Today, we're going to be talking about an encounter with some dirty little secrets, a flighty sculptor who never finishes anything, and we're going to talk what it means to be the storyteller as you are the GM. Thanks for joining us here on Rise of the GM. Well, hey there, Adam. It's good to be back with you. Uh, Sorry, I think I had that music turned down pretty low, so hopefully that wasn't super quiet. But it's good to be uh, back again today to talk about some game mastering stuff. And we're in yeah. the, the second part of a three kind of a three part uh, look at what the GM does. And we talked about they they are the entertainer, they're the storyteller, and they're the facilitator. Last week we talked about what does it mean to be the entertainer. This week we're going to talk about the storyteller more, and then next week we're going to kind of finish that kind of a deep dive uh, into the, those three topics of what does it mean to be the facilitator? So uh, let's, uh, let's get to that in a minute, but as always, we're going to do an encounter and I'm going to let you, or do you want me to do the encounter this week? I think you did the encounter last week, right? Yeah, I can, I can do it again this week. Do though. the encounter and then uh, we'll, we'll jump there encounter where we'll spend a little bit of time on this, just talking about what we would do and what we think is cool or not cool in this uh, as we do every week. But we're going to spend a majority of time today talking about what does it mean to be the storyteller? So go ahead with this. For sure. Yeah. Um, so this is called Dirty Little Secrets. Uh, while traveling, the PCs are overtaken by a squad of armored elven soldiers. The sergeant steps forward and begs help from the PCs. She tells of an overwhelming surprise attack by orcs on an elven city deep within restricted elven lands. No one saw the orcs until they had reached the city walls, and there are simply too many of them to turn aside. Reinforcements keep pouring in from the south, and the elves suspect that there's some sort of strong magic that's aiding them. Mm -hmm. The sergeant asks the PCs to enter the elven territory, to sneak into the orc camp, and discover and hopefully destroy whatever the source of this reinforcements is while the elves distract the orcish forces with a counterattack from the north in truth what's going on is uh, a mage of another race is leading the attack on the elven city the magic user has created a powerful teleportation apparatus that can quickly transport entire armies to a desired location the initial attack on the city uh, walls is merely an appetizer for the real battle that will come and the mage hopes that they can get a portal inside the city so they can just immediately take all these orcs directly in there. The orc camp is mostly deserted, save for a handful of support troops and a few squads of guards. It was hastily made. It serves as a waypoint for orcs to travel to the city. And there's a trail made by the feet of innumerable, innumerable marching orcs um, leads north to the city and farther south. Uh, messages written both in orcish and in some more refined languages lay out the attack strategy and hint at the presence of a non-orc leader. South of the camp is a large tunnel recently dug from the side of a stony hill. Handlers outside of the tunnel are tending to a huge, large burrowing creatures while the rest of the beasts continue digging inside, preparing side passages off the large main tunnel. The PCs can fight their way past the handlers and their beasts or avoid them through stealth. A portal is found at the end of the main passage and deep wheel tracks show that a large object was taken through a side tunnel. Interrogation of any of the orcish beast handlers reveals that the orc general is personally transporting a teleportation gate to the elven city. The general, accompanied by a squad of his finest, 
is larger, tougher, and smarter than all the other orcs. When encountered, he stands proudly, the conquering hero, on top of the portal cart. He and his squad will fight to the death to defend the portal. Once defeated, a message, message can be found on the general's body that reveals the presence of the mage. This can hook into other adventures or a larger storyline, or for a self-contained adventure, the mage can simply be involved in the final combat. That's Dirty Little Secrets. And again, we want to just uh, let you know this is from a book called Eureka, uh, 501 Plot Hooks. It's uh, Gnome Stew uh, wrote this book. Uh, they have a podcast called Gnomecast. Check them out. But uh, I love uh, what I like about this one and, and what I like when I when I read an encounter like this, I want to get a visual, something that excites me. Because if I'm excited as a GM, that's going to play out a whole lot more for my group than if I'm just trying to like... Uh, okay, what did they say here? Now, how many, uh, you know, again, I want to get the gist and then I want to like, let it kind of form. And for me, the thing that excites me in this are the big teleporters, right? So, okay. Uh, the elves come and get you and take you into restricted elven land. That's kind of cool. You know, you can play with that um, because they're like, they need help and they're, they're about to be overwhelmed. And so there may be some like cool stuff you can do with that, especially if you're dropping it into your campaign and there's like differences in the way the elves relate to the rest of the world. Uh, but for me, you get uh, to this cave and whether you fight your way in past the handlers or you stealth in, it's when they first see this huge gate. And I picture if you've seen Stargate, like the original movie Stargate, where they have that big circle. And uh, I picture something like that, like at the, you go down in this cave and you're going back this tunnel and you get to what's the end of a rock wall and there's one of these sitting there and it's glowing. Uh, and it, on the other side, maybe you can faintly see like bustling huge, you know, orc army with campfires everywhere wherever they're sitting in their land ready to you know come through or they maybe already have come through and there's more reinforcements uh and so there's first of all this idea that oh no we've got to somehow stop this one but then you also find out that this uh one down one of these side tunnels they've taken a smaller one and it's not so much getting the whole army here which is part of what they did uh to, to make this attack first, but they, they've got a smaller one uh, that maybe only two people abreast can fit through. And they, their whole goal is if this initial force can just breach the wall once, they can get this inside. And then it's like a monster generator. If you remember, uh, what was that game? Gauntlet. Remember Gauntlet? Gauntlet? Yeah, Gauntlet. You yeah. go in and there's like, you're like fighting things and they just keep being generated and generated. That's what's going to happen. If they get this inside the Elven City, it's like a, an orc generator. They're <laughs> just going to be like <laughs> pouring out of there and the, the elves are going to have to try. So your whole thing is you've got to somehow do something to disable this one, but you also have to get that one before it gets into the city. And so you end up having to fight this uh, general uh, on his cart. And in my mind, what is inevitably going to happen somehow is this thing sitting up on the cart and maybe it even falls down flat on the ground. Oh, yeah. And it's like that hither thither staff in the, uh, in the D and D movie, uh -huh. you know, where people are, they're walking into it and then they're climbing out and it's all these orcs trying to climb up out of oh, the ground yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're just like trying to kill them and you have to somehow disable this thing. And so there's going to be our check for disabling that, but there's all the fighting just to get to it. Yeah. I'm not just the commander and his elite guard, but all these people climbing up out of the hole, yeah. uh, that could make for a really cool scene. Uh, and then of course, 
like they said, you can drop this into your greater adventure, whatever your campaign is, you think about it, uh, because you could substitute elves for any race, you could substitute orcs for any beast. Uh, and you could like the fact that this is something that the orcs have basically been given. Someone is trying to sabotage the elves. It could be someone from within the elves. Say there was an elf who like everybody hated because he did mechanical things as well as nature and magic. And so he's like, oh yeah, I'll show you. I'll make this huge teleportation ring, you know, with my mechanical magic and uh, we'll tear you guys down. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you have a big bad guy in your campaign already and uh, you want to somehow incorporate him and he's the shadow figure that you don't find out for a long time. It was him that made this for the orcs and gave it to them. Who knows? Uh, there's lots of possibilities. And again, as a GM, that's how you need to start thinking. It's like, okay, there's a lot of like shadowy figures in this. You know, we don't know much about the elves. We don't know much about whoever this person is who's working with the orcs. Why? How can I like shoehorn that, not shoehorn that, but like make it fit into what I'm doing? And I think this one could fit in almost any campaign. It's almost too bad that we're doing this here because this could have been a really fun one to do in a campaign I run. <laughs> But, you know, we're well past orcs. You know how like when you're at level one, orcs are the thing. But then you get like up to level seven or eight and orcs are like so easy. Unless, I guess there's an army. But anyway, uh, that's my quick my quick thoughts on the encounter, which is what we want to do each week. Give you quick thoughts. Adam, do you have any quick thoughts? Yeah, uh, I think that's a good, really good point about the um, being able to I, I use that term like massage this into what you need kind of thing of these could be any you know x army x culture right. you know um i did like uh you know i was thinking about this and actually you just pointed that out there's been several times already in this podcast where i'm like man i really wish i could use that like encounter <laughs> now that we've thought about it but people listen to this and you know um i guess you could do the exact opposite of what we said and throw everybody off but oh yeah so a big red <laughs> herring start it with this and have uh, it totally different yeah. so they all act one way right the uh i i think it'd be really interesting if, you, if you're going i, I would want to use this to to get broader um into the story not just like a one-off and um i think a big part of that for me is uh i i love the idea of this being um an elf you, you mentioned that but an elf from the like city that's being attacked that maybe yeah. was in exile or was wronged you know for real or perceived you know whatever but like that there was there's something going on there that they can um they're basically trying to get their revenge you know or or like prove themselves or whatever by they've created these things or bringing these orcs here. Um, I think there can be some interesting drama to that and like the politics of what's going on, which is does make that a, like a deeper kind of situation instead of, Oh yeah, there's just random city that doesn't really have anything in these elves. You know, it's, you start to see the, you can start to see the politics and stuff. If you're having conversations about, well, who was this person? Who is this mage? We got to dig deeper into this. So I really like that. Um, kind of on the flip side of that for me, very detailed talking about that fight. And I love that idea of like thing falls over and they're climbing up. I just like kept thinking about mud the whole mm -hmm. time as I was reading it, like this has to be like a muddy, nasty mess. And I think like playing that up, I, I, uh, was running an encounter recently and it was a, uh, 
an owlbear a burrow, like a, this burrow where these owlbears were, were living. And just even being able to talk through like the mashed grass and yeah. this nasty muddy hole where you see the scratch marks and pieces of feather and fur, like all, like that stuff was like evocative to me. And um, I think even that kind of thing of like, not just the mechanics of, well, you can only move half speed through this mud, but people are like slipping and falling down and sliding and doing crazy like knee slides through the mud to like fight these orcs, you know, and things. I think you could do some really fun stuff with that. So uh, I do like that specific scene in that encounter too. And here's, here's something too, uh, you know, again, be creative, read these, let your imagination fly. Let's say you decide not to do the whole orc attacking the elven city, but instead you go with this whole idea of the portal, uh, like the, the smaller portals. And so, uh, this guy, uh, unknown person like gifts to uh, a lot of the, the governments of the world, these really beautiful mirrors, big round mirrors that are like intricately like inlaid with gold. And like, they, they seem to be this rich gift, but really they're portals. And so they, they get put up in like <laughs> lots of different places places in the world before he does anything. And then, you know, orcs start pouring through one of them and then everybody begins to realize, and it's like, you, you know, who knows, who knows what you could do with that? The idea of the portal. All right, well, let's, uh, let's move on that. We just like to give you like this idea of, uh, here's an encounter starter. And that's what it is. It's truly a starter. You can kind of run with it like they have it. You can totally pull it apart and use pieces of it like we just did. And that kind of goes into what we're going to talk about in our main topic today. And that is the art of storytelling or the the role of storytelling, the camera of act or lights, camera action, the camera section. We're going to be talking today about this idea. And you know, so far we keep thinking we know what they're talking about. And then as we uh, kind of look at it a little more, we realize we're a little off because in my head again, I'm thinking, oh, this is where you're actually acting the stuff out and blah. And that's part of, I think, the storyteller. It's also part of the entertainer, uh, but it's it's uh, not exactly everything that, that that is talked about in this book, Focal Point. Again, it's a gnome stew. We're really starting this podcast off with a lot of their stuff because they have some really good GM resources. Uh, but this one, it talks about like the idea of getting your story, what to do if you're taking an adventure and trying to like put it into your campaign or whether you're starting with your whole campaign. And we're going to talk more about like designing and writing whole campaigns later. Uh, but in this one, uh, that's part of it. Uh, how do you run the evening? How do you tell the story? So uh, Adam, do you want to start us off in any particular place or do you just want us to jump in yeah um there were several things that connected with me um as i was like reading that and the it's kind of their jump off point too but the script you know really stuck out to me the idea of that um and you know i think i think it's i'm interested to hear you know we've talked before but a little more about like how you deal with the script idea of like what what you're bringing to the table um I'm thinking heavily about that. You know, we bring this up every night, but or every time, but it's like tonight I need to bring a script of some sort to the table, or we're just going to sit there and twiddle our thumbs and look at each other. You know, and, and I'm just going to hum and haw again. But um, I, uh, you know, I mentioned in my backstory kind of episode that um, I like started out by manuscripting everything you know i have that binder i actually showed it on our instagram 
like I can flip through. I could probably run that game again because of the copious notes that I have in that. Um, but it also, and I think at the time, maybe I needed that. Um, but that's not exactly how I, I don't really do that anymore. Um, it's more like high points. Um, I have been known to have the napkin <laughs> pieces. It's like, this is what I have, you know, and, and sometimes that's like really great. Um, but do you have like a, and, and I'll talk more about it, but do you have a specific way that you like come to the table with your ideas um, or is that kind of change for you? Yeah. So uh, there's like multiple points of creation in being a GM. And for me, like the creation of the campaign idea and the overall arc is one thing mm -hmm. that I generally spend a few weeks on we're going to touch on that more later so i'm not going to touch on that today uh, but i love that creative process but what i love uh, is that each week i come with an idea and that creative process happens on a smaller scale and affects that larger scale so here's the way for me uh let's just go back into uh let's just go back into some of the things that have happened in the dormant mind campaign that i've run uh, because some of our listeners uh are aware of what that campaign's about. Some some of you aren't, it doesn't matter. You don't have to, to know the campaign. Uh, but let's say we're going to the Vale of Frozen Tears. Okay, that's one of the places. Actually, that was a, uh, like in, in this part of my campaign, I knew that I was going into the North, which was a cold, icy place. And I began to kind of look around to try and get some inspiration for what could happen, what could that look like? And I found one that was actually called Veil of Frozen Tears. And it was all set up as uh, this, this thing that happened in this, and it had a background uh, and it was a, it was a full module. Uh, and I looked at it and I liked the way, like the main gist of it ran, but kind of like with our encounters that we talk about here, I didn't like everything in it. I didn't want every part of it. I didn't want its bad guy and, you know, its ending. But I thought there is a good nugget that I can take and put in to my means. Um, and so uh, part of being a GM is get over this idea that you're the most creative guy that ever walked the earth. Part of what you are as a GM is you're a master plagiarizer. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds bad. You are a master. Uh, you know, there's a, okay, so there's artists who like sit and they'll paint something out of that of their head. And then there are artists who do these collages. You're more of a collage artist as a GM. You look at things and you get inspirations and ideas and bits of game from lots of different places and you paste them all together to make it be what you want it to be. And so for me, you know, I take, I take that and that gives me a rough okay, over the next three or four sessions, these are the things that are going to happen. And I have some milestones uh, in my head. Okay. They're going to get into the, how do they, how do they get to the veil of frozen tears? And in, in my game, you know, I had to meet an ancient scald who basically teleported them to this place um, through a really cool apparatus. Uh, not important here, but then they had to decide how are we getting in? And then once they get in, there's various various things that have to happen in this veil of frozen tears. Uh, and then at the end, um, that ties back into my overall campaign, how, uh, and even in between, you know, I drop in major elements that I had planned when I was planning the campaign, I drop into this. So, uh, all of this to say, when you see, uh, an adventure, uh, do 
do think, okay, there's some cool stuff here, but also realize that you can modify to put in your main things. And so basically where I'm trying to get to is when I come that night, I know, all right, here are the things I think will happen. And, and so they describe it in this uh, focal point as running a flow chart. And I absolutely do that. I absolutely love that idea. It is a flow chart. Okay. So I've got like, my party is here. They're going to encounter this and then they will have the choice to go A, B, or C. If they choose A, they could do this or they could not do this. If they choose to do it, it'll lead this way. If they choose not to do it, it'll lead this way. If they choose B, here's their options and here's where it flows. If they choose C, you know, and then sometimes I will have it, and this is a little GM trick, okay? So let's say I really love this idea of an encounter that has... I'm trying to think of something that really happened <laughs> in that veil of frozen tears. I can't think of anything happened. All I can think about is Adam's character died at this uh, altar <laughs> because uh, this huge giant uh, snow, the snow giant, frost giant, whatever, had been ensorcelled by the 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 altar. Or the altar, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, when Adam went up to do something to it, thinking he should, this thing just swung a hammer at his chest and killed him. Yeah. <laughs> It was pretty unexpected. Was, but let, let's say hurt. I wanted to have that scene in there where they, they come to this altar and there were like bits of uh, uh, twig and twine in these, these uh, I forget what I called them, but these these things uh, that were made all around the room, little uh, magical yeah. things hanging. Uh, and I, let's say I love that scene and they, they come into this room with all these little bits of twine and, uh, man, I wish I could think of what, the, what I called those. Uh, these little, not effigies, these little things uh, all around, hanging around the room and in this altar and this this giant snow beast just kind of sitting, kneeling down in front of the altar. I want that scene in there. Okay, but like I've got, they have choices to go A, B, or C. Let's say they're going to go mm -hmm. up to level two or they're going to go down into the tunnel that they don't know where it goes or they're going to three, you know. Uh, whatever the case is, I, I may take that um, that scene and uh, whether they choose to go A, B, or C, I may I may have that in all three or be able to move right. it to all three uh, because I know this is something I want them to get to. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I map out the whole thing. And actually with that Veil of Frozen Tears, I had a full map. And no matter which way they went in, they were going to have to go through most all of it in order to get the parts they needed. Uh, but it's this idea of having a flow chart and knowing what you're going to do if they make the odd decision right. that you didn't expect. And the, the biggest one is the, the decision you didn't expect. So here's what always happens. I have option A, option B, and option C for them. And inevitably, they choose option D. They break a hole in the wall that I didn't know they were going to do, and then they go into that hole. And I'm like, well, what the heck is going to be yeah. on the other side of that hole? Well, here's what the heck is going to be on the other side of that hole. It's going to be whatever was option C. I'm just going to move it over there, okay? And they, they yeah. can figure that out later. But the thing you don't want to do is come in as a GM and be like, oh, no, I had this planned and this planned, and they went a totally different direction, and now I don't have anything for tonight. And it's just kind of we're going to have to stop. Because uh, my story, I don't have it developed any further. Mm -hmm. You know, be free. This is the think on your feet part. Be free right. to move over something that you had as another option. And then if they ever go back and pick that option, you're going to have to like be creative there, you know, to yeah. have something else there. But yeah. have something ready to go.
um, that you can move, cut and paste. So I go into an evening, basically, flowcharts. Uh, and with those flowcharts, I, I want to have specific scenes in mind. And in my mind, I visualize those and I can describe those. And I think that's one of the parts that make for the best immersion for a party is when you as a GM can really put them in that place. And sometimes that means like having very descriptive language uh, and sometimes, you know, uh, of what they see when they come in, what they smell, what they, you know, sense. Uh, And sometimes that means having some actual lines of dialogue. Those are typically the only things that I've written down, maybe like a few descriptive words and some lines of dialogue as far as what exactly is going to happen. Otherwise, it's more bullet points on a flow chart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think that's closer to with the bullet points flow chart idea um, where I am. Uh, Had so many things that came to mind as you were talking. And now I can't I bring typically to... talk too long. And you forget <laughs> no, everything. Huh? I need to start making notes better. <laughs> but uh, um, the thing with uh, I remember, and I'm going back to my manuscript idea, but I remember having like the whole discussion, you know, typed up, and it's like, how that do is I something know? I have never done is manuscript yeah. it again. Oh man, I'm like, how do I know? That's the thing I would learn quickly, but still try to do. It's like as soon as they ask a different question than what I'm, you know, it's like, it's all gone anyway. And so I do, I do think it's really important and we'll probably get into MPC stuff more, but like uh, somebody at some point, I remember someone talking about like motivations mm-hmm. for all I know that was you, Matthew, you know, like uh, just like knowing the motivations of this, uh, you know, elf noble as we're talking to to, to him about this orc army that we just talked about, you know, it's like they, if I know their motivations as the GM, I can kind of function out of that. Okay. Right. Maybe a few personality things. All right. He's, uh, arrogant. Um, he likes decadence and, uh, he's motivated by luxury. Okay. I should be able to have a conversation with these people. At least they understand what he's like, if nothing else, you know, kind of thing. right. No matter what um, they ask or which direction yeah. you can play out of that. Right. So that that's like helped me a ton. Um, and it's honestly, it's like a load thing where uh, if you're trying to like come up with every single thing that this person would ever say, and then you have infinite NPCs, that's, that's a, that's a planning weight that I don't think we need to have on us kind of too thing. much, um, too much yeah, prep. Yeah. And, and it'll, it'll uh, make you fearful to ever be the DM. Cause you're like, right. I just, I can't do yeah. all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, for sure. I, I do like to have, um, yeah, different options. Um, so like a few weeks ago, or I guess it was last week, you know, going into the game that we're playing currently. Um, I knew that the group was at a wedding. Um, they were doing this investigation and uh there were going to be specific conversations happening and uh, we had kind of talked off camera even about like me and matthew were talking about some of that stuff about like what do we actually need what are you guys looking for as a group and um so knowing like okay in each one of these conversations here's maybe a point of information that could actually move the story forward and if the conversation's about other things great but like those things can at least get dropped into that and it can help move the narrative forward so the party the the players can grab onto those and move move it forward to themselves or they can let it drop and 
move to something else. So those were all like pieces of that, that I felt like I needed to have going into like tell the story together with the group. Um, and then it was like, okay, I think it's going to be this or that as far as probably what they would do once the wedding's over. Um, for us, it was, okay, I think they're either going to follow up on this kind of group that's doing something and they figured out some information and maybe somebody will follow them or maybe they'll all go together, which you all did do that. Um, uh, Pip, you managed to like track down a group of people who were doing shenanigans and then the whole group went and dealt with shenanigans. it. Shenanigans. Um, but then, and that opened up another story um, or it was this other thing that I thought maybe they would follow up with an NPC that they had met earlier and take care of something else that I'm not going to talk about right now because I don't want oh, to give too much away. Oh, to be the GM not able to say <laughs> really anything. Um, I know what he's but, talking about. You yeah, guys don't. <laughs> yeah. But there, there's two things, you know, it was like I wanted to have those two things figured out of like, uh, okay, what could this look like? Um, what were some maybe obstacles? You know, whether that's like enemies to fight or traps or doors or puzzles or investigations that needed to happen like what are what are they going to need to do generally speaking that i can walk them through and i i like to have um whether it's online online it's like i feel like i have to have prepped this stuff in advance the week coming up going into in person it's a little easier for me where but i i still like to have a visual cue for myself of like this is what this environment that they're walking into looks like you know even if it's like this palace hallway you know what what is that actually going to entail or is it this magical chasm underground you know like what does that look like so i can get them in the scene so those are some things i like to do um as far as my flow charts um the stuff you know you were talking matthew about uh cutting and i think that's part of what we're going to talk about in a bit but um, or like the group chooses option D after you've planned, you know, three options already, uh, in this game again, um, the group was, uh, you all had been, uh, interacted with a hag and she was trying to make deals and she was like, well, you could, this is what I want, but you could do it three ways. She wanted an egg to replace the eggs from the, the, uh, Aarakocra that she was stealing from. She's like, you can either go fight this dragon and take its eggs. Or you can go to the basilisk and take its eggs, or you can go to, uh, it was like a giant, like a rock, like a giant eagle bird, you know, like you can go up in its nest and take an egg, but whatever, I want an egg. And the group basically said, no, <laughs> and uh, just left. And well, I think you guys had a minimal fight with her, but she's just uper powerful. So um y'all left y'all left for now and everybody <laughs> left on on it and i'm just sitting there like man i uh i had like maps and i like, planned a lot out built and <laughs> like extra hooks that are in all of these things and they just walked away from it how dare they you know and so um <laughs> you know those those are things and uh, i don't again it's like giving away things to people in our group but those things are all out there still, you know, and there may be a day where it comes back for some reason, you know, and, or they go take the, the hag up on her, her deal again. Never, 
<laughs> so, I'm a player, but, and I'm saying you know, never, yeah. never will I deal with that hag except for yeah. with my thunder blaster. <laughs> <laughs> so the the whole point that I'm trying to get out with that is like, even though it hurt my heart, you know, it's like, well, this wasn't what they were, you know, as motivations of their characters or maybe players. You all didn't care, but I had to be like, okay, I'm not gonna like just force this dragon den to suddenly be in their way just because I had a plan, you know, let it drop off. It's okay to, to move on and kind of pivot in that way and let them kind of move on down the line. So it's good to have those, those things prepped. So you go in with a plan, you go in with your flow chart, you got your ideas before the game starts. One thing I think is important for GMs to know is this is a social thing. Okay. I used to get together with guys when I was in college and we'd play poker every week. This is the same sort of thing. When you get together, it's not just for what you're doing, uh, but it's also for the camaraderie. It's for the catching up. It's for the knowing what's going on in each other's lives. And I've seen games or game clubs or, you know, gaming situations where people forget this part and it's like, okay, you're all here. Here's you a paper and we're all going to, you know, here's your character. Or if it's people who play all the time, it's like, Okay, everybody's here. Uh, everybody sit down and let's roll. And they they don't allow for that. And it can do one of two things. It can keep your group feeling very like not um, cohesive mm. because they all don't really know each other. Or it ends up like in the game, people just talk a lot. And that sometimes happens anyway. But all of this to say, don't discount the fact that people love to catch up with people. And so before you, you come in with all your plans, before you start that night, allow some time. I think the focal point, uh, uh, called it a social hour, you know, allow them that maybe it's not a full hour, but allow some time for people to be like, Hey, I saw you were doing so-and-so got your pool cleaned up. When are you going to have us over, you know, and whatever the conversation would be, allow that stuff to happen for a little bit and participate yourself. Don't just kind of be so stuck in like planning that you're like, you know, enjoy, enjoy, being together. But with that said, at some point you need to move from the social stuff mm-hmm. to the game stuff. And this can be hard for GMs to know how do I get everybody ready to go, especially if it's a group that meets every week. And I talked last time about how I use a song. They gave some uh, some ideas of different ways to do it. Uh, we When we first started playing, mm-hmm. our way to move from social into game was it was so produced. Here's what it was. <laughs> we would all put our hand in the middle of the table on top of one another, you know, yep. and we'd go RPG mood. Huh? <laughs> and once RPG mood huh, happened, then you were in the game. Okay. It was, on. was one, yep. it was a very, you know, it helped us in our mind divide. Okay. We've been visiting and hanging out and socializing, but now we're moving into game. Right. Uh, for me, and I, I, I talked about this last week, I would do it with a theme song for our game, which I actually went out. I'm such a nerd that I went out and purchased the, uh, the, the, the music so that I could use it online and, and post it and no yeah. royalty problems at all because of awesome. it. But I, I would have our last time. On the dormant mind, our party found themselves, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. When that music would start, and I would start with that voice, everybody zeroes in and listens. And it gives uh, a space for the second thing they talk about that's really important when you're moving from kind of like talking and whatever to the game. And that is having a recap. Don't expect your party to remember 
everything that happened uh, and think that if they don't remember everything that happened, that they're just not invested in this game. Because it's so easy to like, oh, what were we doing last time? I, I was doing something, wasn't I? Wasn't I against somebody? You know, people, I, <laughs> I find myself. Yeah. That. So to, to kind of just put your characters back in the place uh, and be able to say, last time on the dormant mind, our heroes found themselves standing before the great oblin, uh, the great gate of the orcs, ready to tear down the wall to keep these orcs from coming through to the elf city or whatever it is you're saying, you know, yeah. put them into place, remind them of what they've done. Uh, and that recap, it can be you. But Adam does it a different way. Sometimes you you actually ask people, "Hey, who wants to do the recap?" Right? Yeah. Sometimes, uh, yeah. I kind of flip flop back and forth with that of uh, doing doing the recap and kind of walking through. Um, sometimes it's this is what happened last time. Sometimes, uh, if I feel the need, it's like this is from the beginning, the things that you've, you know, the high points that you've walked through to kind of come to this point. I think that's good to remind those things too. But I like that idea of passing that off to somebody. Um, probably, I think uh, that may be like worthwhile of not, not exactly like, hey, in the moment, can you do this? Like, but like letting someone right. know, hey, tonight I'm going to have you do the recap. I think uh, I'm going to put that into practice today, by the way. But um uh, I think, I think that can, they can get their mind around it and then, then offer that up. And sometimes, you know, that, that gives opportunity for somebody else to be like, oh no, no, but what about this happened before that? And there can be some even group like reminding that I do think is important because you may just like jump in and you're like, I have I, life happened. Like I had to do this with my kids this week and like, I didn't get very much sleep and I've been thinking about this project at work all week long and what did we do last week you know so um i think a lot of people fall into that and um you know what just... i think is you know what i think is a really good example look at your favorite uh shows i think of lost for some reason uh, even though that was like such an old show and it happens on lots of shows yeah. but they'll be like previously on lost and they go through these uh kind of what happened in the past but the cool thing about that is as the the gm have you ever noticed that like on those shows it's not always just like what happened last week they'll go back and catch some stuff from yeah. the beginning and the middle and it's different and sometimes uh you can tell oh that's right. They brought up this thing that happened like three episodes ago that we totally have forgotten by now because probably yeah. something in today's episode is going to relate to that. Right. And and you can do that. You can be like, you know, you can throw something from way back in the beginning. You can throw something from, you know, uh, level four that they've forgotten about. You know, yeah. it's like our hero who picked up the shining mirror of, you know, Elania and stuck it in his haversack is yeah. now standing before the great something. It's like, oh yeah, I picked up that mirror. You know what? That, that's mm -hmm. something I forgot. I even had that. You know, you can do stuff uh, like that, which is yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think to throw importance onto things, even of uh, you know, this is a thing that we've done. Don't forget it. <laughs> you know, it's because like we, players uh, and, do forget. Yeah. Yeah. And, and doing it in a way that's like, oh yeah, he's just talking about what's the game is. But um, I know that I'm, I'm sure there's been plenty of times where I've grabbed onto something else when I'm a player than what I probably should have grabbed onto or what was meant for me to grab onto. <laughs> and so it's nice to be like, oh yeah, the, uh, um, I, I, 
I'll never forget uh, telling a little story moment here, but Cormac in the dormant mind gets this, I, I got this uh, vision kind of thing spoken. Um, and it was talking about uh, the, the orcs run um, on behalf of the twain head snake or the, and there, there's all this like prophecy kind of stuff that's going on. I'm not going to mess with it anymore there, but because I'm not getting it right, but the, the orcs, there's all these orcs and I already had a problem with orcs um, because they had destroyed my farm and um, bereft me of my family. And uh, so I had that issue, but then I somehow it all flew out of my head at this one moment where we were trying to climb this cliff and it was a competition to get to the top of the cliff so we could speak to this archway and there's these orcs there and it's like i just like befriended them for whatever reason <laughs> but then i'm like remembering this in the middle of the next like game day and i'm like wait i'm supposed to hate them ah <laughs> like rage out you know kind so of thing and it's on like, the yeah. side of the mountain <laughs> <laughs> it was all part of the plan, but that was even a thing where I, I don't remember how that happened, but I feel like I was reminded, Hey, this is a, like kind of a part of your character that in the part of the story that maybe you forgot in that moment. It's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think those things can be helpful, you know, to put weight on things and remind people of what's, what's kind of like important points to grab onto. That and occasionally really I'll throw this in. This isn't like uh, each week. But occasionally you'll take a break from gaming for a little while, or you'll take a break and play another game for a little while and come back to that game. Like I'm doing with a dormant mind right now, we're playing a different game. Uh, and when you do those longer ones, uh, you definitely need these recaps uh, to like remind people of, and this is, this can be true of week to week too. It's like, Hey, here's your, your long-term goal. This is kind of what you guys say you're like trying to do overall. Here's what you're doing right now in the short term. This is your short term goal. Uh, here are some of the high points of things you guys have done in your history. Uh, here's some of the complications that have come up and here's some unresolved questions. Like when I come back from taking months off of a game, you have to like remind people of all that stuff. And that will take a little longer than just like, the intro song um, when we yeah. when you do that right. but so when i come into an evening we talked about having your flow chart having you know these are the things that they're going to encounter and the decisions they might make you're going to have your social hour you're going to like have a, a definite point that kind of puts them into game mode for me it's that song uh, and in that song uh, i kind of remind them of stuff uh, and then uh, it's important to start each week with a bang yeah. Talk about what, what that means to you, Adam, to start your, your session each week. Right. With a bang. Yeah. Uh, I'm just gonna, I want to make a note here. Uh, Josh, who is in our chat, uh, who's also part of our game and we'll be answering some questions for later. Um, reminded me that I gave them a bottomless flask that I had had to those orcs that I was supposed to be at like complete odds with. So, uh, thanks for <laughs> that reminder. Um, <laughs> dropping out of character. Um, yeah, starting with a bang. Um, I I think part of it's the setup of sometimes it comes from the setup of the week before. So if um, maybe it's that cliffhanger kind of thing, then you can jump right into this kind of scenario that's like it's epic or it's dangerous or there was a mic drop at the end, you know, and everyone's like, whoa, you know, that's kind of the hope um, to be able to respond to that. Um, but I, I think when, when I start 
flat, when I feel like a game is starting flat, it's often because I didn't necessarily have a plan for that initial moment. You know, it was kind of like, oh, well, you guys are, um, you know, an example could be that like wedding, going back to that wedding situation where everybody was kind of at different tables talking to different people. And I think if I would have walked in, um, I hope it wasn't flat, I guess I should say, but like I, I could have walked in and just been like, well, they're all there. So I'm just going to let like the players guide the conversation entirely. I think we probably could have sat there for three and a half hours of people just making small talk at a wedding and you can like do that in real life. So why do it at the game table, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> um, so, uh, that was important for me to have like, okay, here's some like specific things. Like I, I want the guy that's in charge of the spy network to specifically give Eliakim a, here's a task. If you want to be a part of this, this is the thing I need you to do um, for there to be like a draw into that. Um, there were, there were other, you know, aspects of like uh, Pip saw and was reminded of, something just went down out here in the hallway between a couple of these groups and it looks nefarious. Like that's going to draw him into that rather than just kind of, Oh, I'm going to stand around in the hallway and wait for, you know, that, that could have been what happened. So knowing kind of what that opening scene looks like is really important to me. And when I get maybe lazy or just too busy for the week or whatever, and don't have that, I do feel like it often comes in kind of flat and it takes a little bit to get, to get rolling. Yeah. One of the, one of the hardest things for a player is when the GM starts the night and he's like, okay, you're all, you're all standing in the cave in front of the big portal. All right. What do you do? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh, um, I walk up and look at the portal. You perceive yeah. a wall. No. Right. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like, it can feel like, oh, how's this all working? But instead, if you think about it as I need a scene from a movie, what's that look like? as this as this starts and so uh, something that would be m better would be uh, as you guys stand in front of the portal that you just caught a glimpse of a piece of rock bounces off of you know Cormac's shoulder he looks up and sees 15 vampire monsters looking at them with eyes aglow they jump in the air roll initiative okay yeah, so that right, starts right, it off yeah. and everybody's like oh no you know and the night goes or let's say you're in the wedding that's not like a battle you don't always start with roll initiative but let's let's say you're in like a, an encounter where they were all left at the tables you need to start it like with a scene cut scenes you know like in a video game they set you up for whatever action you're going right. to do you don't just find yourself standing there with a sword and no you know no idea what to do next unless you're playing oblivion or whatever it was <laughs> but uh uh so you're at this table and so you start the night you know you finish your recap and you're like you know the uh the all right the uh, the horizon de lumini stands up and he says you have been selected to do a task that i need you to do and i need to know now if you're going to do it you know something that and yeah. that's kind of really not that exciting but it's enough to get the attention of people and kind of set the scene right, maybe right. Mm -hmm. uh, but you need to have some sort of cut scene to start and i say that uh, because then i think there is another thing you need to have and that is um, you need to have like your points of action planned for the night so okay adam you had us all at a wedding at different tables talking to different factions of the magic users in this right. realm uh, you need to know okay if everything stalls out 
here's something that's going to happen that kicks everything in the gear because yeah. like life isn't just going to sit around and wait for you to decide now's the time mm -hmm. to do something. Something's going to happen. Okay. And you, you need to, as a GM think, okay, if they just sit and do nothing, what's the next thing that's going to happen, whether they're ready or not. Yeah. Um, and to have that action ready to move because otherwise it is really easy. And if you're a GM, you've probably run into this. You have that one guy who just loves to tell stories about what he's doing with whatever, you know, it's like, oh, I walk up to, you know, this woman who's sitting over there and I start telling her about my great hedgehog that I have <laughs> and how I like to comb the hedgehog and, you know, do this and that. And, and, and like, at first you're like, oh yeah, let's role play this and let him build some character. But then he just like wants to go on and on about his hedgehog and about what, you, you know, I'm, not trying to think of something <laughs> like I'm singling out a character in our party. And I'm not Ben. I'm not talking about you and your animals and your drinking, but you know, say this person gets, that's what they, uh, that's all they want to talk about. And you're like, okay, is this going anywhere? Well, instead of like asking them that question as they're talking, you know, suddenly something happens and yeah. there's like a big disruption or there's an attack or there's like some people who like get up and like walk out suddenly with a bunch of shifty eyes and everybody in the place notices them and then that like kicks into gear or something that's right. going to happen so yeah. don't just think i'll wait for them to like decide what to do have like a plan for something that's going to happen whether they're ready or not yeah that was kind of the idea and i, I can't remember if i actually had i think a little bit we talked about this but this wedding was a long process I keep coming back to the wedding because it's fresh in my mind, but <laughs> there were multiple. This is pieces. the great wedding episode. Yeah, it was uh, at least two game sessions. So, but there, you know, they came in and there, there were multiple pieces where it's like, there was this trough service kind of thing where they were giving their vows to the public, but then they went into the wedding, which is kind of scene two. And that wedding was happening. It's kind of just your typical, ceremony that we probably would think of in front of family and friends. Um, and, but I didn't want that to just go directly into, okay, now there's a ball where now they're talking some more. So it's like all these opportunities for investigation, but it's kind of static, like not a lot's going on action wise. So there was a jilted lover and he jilted lover with a dragon busts in and tries to seal the bride with a dragon. You know, it's like kind of crazy, but uh, it gave like some action break and, they, um, in the, the book, uh, the focal point book, um, this actually isn't to do with, it, it's a different idea. They're talking about maybe like with player attention span waning at times, some things to do. Um, but I think some of them fit into what you're saying where like one of those is loud voices, speak up, raise the volume of your voice or have an NPC make a sudden outburst. You know, it's like, like that, that's going to, um, I think. You got to watch it because you don't want to like scare people or like oh i do make them tense uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I remember one time <laughs> i'm trying to remember what game this was but i i was running a game and i like got like the character got mad and i like bam like smashed the table i think i scared everybody when i did that i'm like okay just want to be clear that was character not like adam you know so <laughs> adam is mad and he made over my drink but it made everybody like you know do that um bringing that volume up kind of thing um kind of what you said their their way of saying is ninjas burst through the door you know it's that suddenly something action there's like we got to in involve ourselves in this kind of situation um 
I do think, you know, they talk about like taking a break or if it's just like attention span wise is just not there. Or maybe it's time to call it for the night kind of thing. But um, one that I kind of skipped over is the fast forward button. And uh, um, I, I don't know, like that, that happens, I think sometimes where it's like, okay, obviously this is dragging. Like I'm thinking this in my mind where nobody has a lot of ideas about what they want to do. Uh, the wedding is still going on. We've been here for three sessions. Like, okay, for, you know, and this is actually, I found myself saying this, this is a, this is a Matt Mercer critical role statement. He, he often says for the expediency of time, <laughs> you know, like kind of thing. And you can do like, that. You can do that with like quick recap. Yeah. So as you guys all continue talking to the various tables you're at, the evening starts to come and you yeah. notice everyone's leaving. You know? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you exactly. just basically fast forwarded through all that talking. Right. Yeah. And it's like, maybe there's a few pieces that you get. Here's some information that was given, but we didn't have to have a 30 minute conversation to get right. to it. This was given to you. And it seems like the bride and groom are ready to leave. So everyone starts moving towards the doors, you know, and um, I think that that's worthwhile to think of too, uh, if it's just kind of like bogged down and nothing seems for the sake of brevity, I'm sorry, Josh, he's, he's, re he's reminding me in the chat again, uh, for the sake of brevity, not for the expediency of time, um, <laughs> for the sake of brevity, we're going to move forward kind of thing. And I think, I think that like can help just keep the pacing of the game going. Yeah. So it's all about, uh, in this storytelling, it's about knowing how to get people into the story, telling the story well, being ready for every choice they might make as they go and how you're going to kind of respond to that and keep it going. Um, and then also how to have a strong end. Uh, and I think a strong end is going to come in one of two ways. A uh, strong end is going to come as a cliffhanger or as a resolve, at least for me. And there may be another option I'm not thinking about, but when I come to the end of a night, either I'm going to bring them right up to something that's like, oh no, what in the world is going to happen next? Uh, some big thing looming there, they're ready to take an action, but it's, you know, and I'm like, and that's where we'll pick up next week. That's a, a fine ending point. Uh, or I find myself bringing them to, you just had this huge battle and everything just resolves for a minute. You guys are exhausted. You're going to rest and you level up. And so it's like this, it's kind of like a, uh, everything, it's a denouement, right? Everything's done. And now uh, what happens because of that huge climax that we just had. And then next time, you know, I have to, I come with a different sort of way to start that day so that it's not like you guys are still just resting, you know, instead it's like the looking forward. Mm -hmm. Any other, I don't know if, is there a third option besides like the cliffhanger or the resolve? There may be, but I can't think of, I, th I think that's well said. Like the one thing that's hard is you don't want to end in the middle, you know, you're like right in the middle of something and you're like, okay, you guys are fighting and uh, let's just, next time we'll just kind of pick up in the middle of this fight. That, sometimes you have to do that because right. people are like, Hey, I've got to go, <laughs> you know, I had yeah. to be out of here at this time and you know, but it's best if you cannot do that because and then to come back and be like, okay, you guys are still fighting this thing. And, uh, okay, it's your turn, you know, not that exciting of an end or a beginning best. If you can like have the, the beginning and end. Yeah. The only, the only thing I, again, you have, sometimes that's like, we've had situations where it's like, Hey, we're yep. 37 minutes past when everybody was like really needing to go. Yeah. We're just going to have to pick us up. I do think, uh, in that case though, and I haven't, is something I'd like to do better. Um, it's almost like the uh, 
and now you'll see my final form. You know, like not that that can happen with every single you're fighting the orcs over the, you know, the portal. Maybe that's not going to happen. But I, I feel like that that kind of shift of maybe something happens in the battle that you can like right. storytell to either open that it changes or close the battle. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, that that's a good point. But I feel like it's a cliffhanger that kind of falls within the cliffhanger. Um, I just know when I'm a, as a player, if I'm thinking back of like, okay, these were memorable ends to a session, not like an arc or not like a campaign, but a session, they definitely, it's one of those two things. It's like, we had victory or we had defeat, but it's like resolved and we got to figure out what to do with that. Or, you know, the dragon bursts through the, it's probably not dragons, but the dragon bursts through, you know, the wall and roars and sprays fire everywhere, towering over you. All right, we're going to pick that up next time. It's like, okay, right. now I'm thinking all week, what's my, what am I going to do? You know? <laughs> yep. So, um, yeah. Uh, Josh's cliffhangers and mysteries are my favorite. That's a good call to mysteries, which I feel that's probably mm -hmm. like a subcategory too of like, Oh man, there's this thing, but mysteries, that's a good way to put that too of like, okay, this is something I can actually think of, think about like during the week and maybe have some ideas as I come into it. Right. Yeah. So begin strong, you know, know how to move your action when things start to lag and know how to end strong. So it's a lot like public speaking. You got to get up and know how to have an introduction that gets attention. You got to be able to move people, transition people well between your main points so that it doesn't drag out in one area. And when you get to the end, you want to end strong, kind of reminding them, you know, here's what happened and have a good strong end. That's public speaking and storytelling. Very similar. Okay. Yeah. Here's a part, though, that doesn't happen with a normal public speaking that does happen with an ongoing game. And that is, I think, uh, as a GM, part of the storytelling is it's not just you telling a story that they have to live through regardless of what they want. You're mm -hmm. telling the story together. And so a part that happens for me are the rewrites. OK, you think of this as a script. Uh, I have a plan going into uh, a campaign going into a night, uh, whatever that is, and my players do things. And then when the night is over, I go home and I think, oh, you know what? He did this. What if, what if when he actually picked up that, that little thing in the alleyway, that turns out to be something hugely important for this other part that's coming? Oh, or what if he finds out that the, the girl that he kind of had a, you know, that he met this NPC that I didn't even expect to throw in here. And now he's like really paying attention to her. What if she ends up being somebody important? And then I rewrite, you know, oh, that NPC now has gotten a part in the play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that little, that little thing he picked up in the alley now has become uh, a dreaded, you know, stone monster that's going to be following them because that's his toe bone. And he chases whoever has it relentlessly uh, for as long as they carry that he's going right. to be after them. you know whatever <laughs> you know i come up with something but it's the the idea of being able to rewrite and i do this all the time so i told you before i love to start my campaigns with what ifs i love to sit and write what if this is what happens what if that's happened well i do the same thing in my rewrites i'm like oh okay what if because he did that or because she was here at this time 
it means this, this, and this for my campaign. And I let it mold my campaign. And I think this is what makes something feel alive instead of like, okay, I've got this adventure and I'm just dropping, you know, I could drop any fighters into this, any adventure party into this, and it's going to play the same way versus this only happens in this story because of you guys, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's important. So rewriting after a session, taking time after a session uh, is important as a GM. And that's not something that people typically think about. They think, okay, I before the session, I've got to get my stat blocks, my monsters, my script, be ready to go. And then afterwards, they're like, man, I'm tired. And then next week, the day, you know, the day of, I'm going to think of all this stuff I need to go again. Don't, don't jump just to next week. Sometime, it doesn't have to be that night. It might be the next day. Try to plan maybe only like half an hour, an hour where you sit down with a pen and pencil and you think, okay, based on last night, how can this change? How does this change everything? And then do, do some rewrites and that will keep you excited and fresh as a GM too, because then you're not just relying on this story you had like four months ago that you're trying to act out. Now it's this evolving story that happens with you and the, the players and the things and the people that they helped make up become huge in the story. And it becomes this just amazing story that everybody remembers because you all worked on it together. I agree wholeheartedly. It's good. <laughs> I leave a pause and he's like, I have, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I think that's great. And, um, making it dynamic, you know, and not, not, Again, because if we if we refuse to rewrite, then it's just forcing we're continually forcing people back into maybe the line that we had, and that's I, I think it's more there's more ownership in the game as a player if you're seeing like okay I actually changed the world or I this thing that I am interested in as a player or as a character or both. I get to follow that lead, you know, and, um, I, I just think it's fun to like have that and it's, there is more ownership. So that's, I think it's always helpful. Um, I, I can't remember all the things we've said, but I, I love, um, the game we're in the Jade mask game. Uh, it started out, it was just supposed to be like a couple people couldn't come. So we were like, Hey, let's just play this kind of one-off 5e game. And then it became like a two shot. And then it was like, well, let's just jump in because we're kind of off schedule right now. So we'll just all jump in and start playing. And I, so I like began that game, this game never having like, I had an, I had an, uh, basically it wasn't a module, but think about like a one shot module is kind of like what I had planned. And I'm like, oh shoot, I need to have like an actual reason for this. And in the middle of all that, one of the players punked another player or I guess character they played a joke like practical joke by using some like ghost sounds and illusion and stuff and this is josh who's in the chat uh, his character goes down is drawn down to the ocean and this this like whispering is like he's a uh, bard from this uh the college of whispers and he you know is like getting his whispers are like dive in the water you know so he dives in the water thinking that and i wanted to not just be like yeah, you don't see anything, you know, like that, that could have been the way it went, but I kind of partially in my soft heartedness wanted, you know, Leonis to get something out of this, but also it's like, this is an opportunity 
to see more than just like bubbles and fish, you know, kind of thing. But I kind of just didn't know what to do. I'm like, oh, you see a line of energy going off to the south and it runs into the shoreline and disappears. Like that was just kind of in the moment of what could yeah. this possibly be? That's what you see. And the game is wrapped around all of that now. Right. Like that's now like the what game it's tied is into. all about the ley lines of <laughs> yeah. power uh, yeah. in and what's happening to them, causing some to fail and yeah. what in the world's going on. Yeah, it's like totally turned into that's yeah. the main and it was like a rewrite, right? Yeah. You went back yeah, and was, you said, this was something. What could I do with this? Right. And that that has been rewrote several times over. But like it began with, you know, um, Pip playing a trick on Leonis and just happening to say, all right, we're going to tell a story within what's going on. And it became a bigger deal. And yeah, I think I think it's just super important to, like you said, think about what happened, edit it, shift it, where can those things go? and just like hold stuff loosely. So uh, I want to get on to, to our, our MPC and kind of wrap this up here today. But before we do, uh, one of the things they talk about in there is uh, like your breaks in your game. Typically, in a, when we only have like four or so hours, I don't like to take a lot of breaks because they can end up taking all your time. But sometimes we get together and we say, hey, we're going to game all day on a Saturday. Those times are also super memorable and great. And I would say planning a time in there to go to lunch and what that's going to look like, you know, just like the social hour before is important, that in the middle of the day, yeah. go to lunch, go to QQ Buffet, you all sit and talk about like life plus game stuff and you enjoy this good food. Mm -hmm. That can be top notch. Oh, yeah. So anyway, this has been some on like what it means to tell the story. Okay, so this hasn't been anything about voices and acting like we, we were thinking it was going to be. It's like, how do, you, how do you kind of plan for the night? How do you make sure to get a big bang to start? How do you make sure to move it through the middle? How do you end it strong? And then how do you like do rewrites afterwards so that you begin to incorporate things you didn't even anticipate into your game? Uh, that's part of the storyteller. I'm sure we'll come back to this topic, just like all of them kind of a little bit here and there over and over as we talk about other things in campaign settings and, and all of this in the future. Yeah. But for now, we always like to each week uh, give you a quick NPC, someone you can just drop into a game. So we're going to do this really quick. This one is the Flighty Sculptor. All right, the Flighty Sculptor. Uh, Myra uh, Ailes, I guess is her name. Myra is an athletic uh, girl, wears mud spattered clothes that won't get in her way while she sculpts. So we got another artist here, a sculptor. Uh, though not great beauty, she has this kind of an animal magnetism, a seductive grace about her. That's her appearance. Role-playing, she's always on the lookout for subject material, studies everything with a piercing, almost intimate gaze, and she's constantly shifting her stance and position, checking multiple angles. Personality, excitable and passionate, eagerly throws herself into new activities and experiences, even uh, ones that more prudent people would avoid, right? Motivation, she's always blaming her lack of performance on the quality of her inspiration, and it never seems to measure up. So she's always looking for new inspiration, this muse, right? Uh, someone that will capture and hold her attention forever, but nobody ever does. That's the important part about this person's character. They're constantly like, starting things and not finishing them, and we all know people like this. So the background is, thanks to a limited ability to concentrate, uh, her love life's full of week-long flings, uh, her workshop's full of half-finished sculptures, uh, all things abandoned for newer attractions once someone else catches her eye or her attention. The inability to stay on task and finish projects means that though critics acknowledge that she's talented, 
she'll remain forever a minor player in the world of art. Uh, okay, so that's the character in a nutshell. I like that. What I like about this character are two things. Uh, I like the the kind of uh, energy and constant moving and looking uh, at angles, and I like the never finishes things. And and I see those two things as one being able to really identify this character and one being able to kind of play into a lot of scenarios. So the constant moving, and this is something I always suggest, is if you've, you read an NPC character, try to think about people that you might have encountered in your past that exhibit that that'll help you really act that person out so when i was in college i was an art minor i had a lot of minors with my major one of them was art and design and uh we had this guy in the class who who thought he was the artist and this was him you know he would he would jump up and he would he would like look at his hair and he would hold his pencil up to the thing you know they would set something up in the middle of the room he would jump down on the floor and scratch real fast and then he'd walk over and look at it from another angle and then he would everything was erratic and fast and like he was constantly so that would be something that would inform the way i play this character if i'm talking and i'm her i might stop and like look at you and like do the frame up thing and quickly jot something down and she's like almost add you know <laughs> can't sit still uh and secondly the never finishing things would play into who this person was going to be in my campaign and she may never amount to like a big player in this campaign but i would have her frequently show up and like maybe even volunteer to help with things, but never follow through. <laughs> so she would be up and she'd be like, oh, you guys need a way to get up onto the second floor of that tavern. I can help you. I know a guy there. He is like one of the uh, best models I've ever had and blah, blah, blah. And she talks about him and she's like all ADD about it. And then like uh, that night comes and you guys all come to the thing and she's like nowhere to be seen. Like the dude's like, I never heard of her. What are you talking about? And you guys are like, dang, what happened? And so she didn't follow through. Uh, or, you know, think of like 10 or 12 different situations that she can like start something, maybe even get it like partially moving. And then she just kind of gives up on it for you. And then pretty soon, like your characters begin to realize <laughs> she gets us really good leads. She knows people, but she never really does what she says she's going to do. So that could be fun. Anything you thought of when I was reading all of this? Yeah. Um, I think more generally for NPCs, the thing I love about Myra is um, there's a conflict of like within her that you're seeing of I've been trying to think of the word, but she, she has dis discernment of she can be the one who can be inspired and see these things in someone or something and want to like do that, but she has no discernment about herself, like kind of thing. And I think that that's just, you know, that's interesting for her, but I think it's good, like broadening out to, uh, your like NPCs, you know, that, that you're, you're running that there, there, there can be conflicting things. It's not just like, Oh, this cleric is just good. And, completely compassionate and wonderful and open and always, you know, it's like maybe there's something conflicting within that also that like develops his character, makes him more interesting to deal with. Um, mm -hmm. Because I, I think that the, the thing that's, you know, she's like about this um, work that she's doing uh, that also can be the frustrating part with her because it can be cast off so easily, you know, kind of thing. So having those things um, just in an NPC in general, like that, that reminds me of that. 
And I think it's like a, a really good thing to consider as you're making other people or like using prompts like this, bringing that stuff in too. Cool. Yeah. All right. NPC ideas. Uh, let's, before we end today, hit some more questions from the Haversack. We, uh, we always have people who write in uh, some questions and we like to try and answer what we think about those and uh, just kind of throw our opinions out. So Adam, what do we got in the Haversack this yeah. week? So last week, um, we paused, uh, we had a few from, uh, from Josh that we left kind of hanging. And so we want to be sure to get to those, um, this week. So he had asked about, uh, doing, um, like how do we work character arcs and not like leave other people out while we're, you know, working in other people. So this is kind of a secondary question to that. Um, so he says, he says this. Uh, hey, Adam and Matthew, a couple questions for you. We already did one. Second one being, do you plan out these character arcs while mapping out your overall campaign? Or do these arcs fall into place organically through your PC's different interactions with the world? So how do we how do we do that? Um, for me, if I can just go ahead and jump in. I'm sorry. The, I, it's definitely the latter for me where it's more organic. Um, I think kind of the just going back to what Matthew said earlier about um, what you said about the rewrite in a lot of ways, that's like, I like seeing, okay, here's a backstory that you're given, but it's, it's better. If someone gives me like, this is the complete backstory and everything that I possibly can want to do ever. That's almost harder to like work with on than here's some like high points and my motivations and things. Um, but it definitely is like, okay, they did this. So that's going to move the arc this way um, because I, I just feel like if I try to say, I want to get, you know, Eliakim from point A to point B one, I don't think that's actually up to me even as the game master, but two, it's going to immediately go away from the line that I have drawn. <laughs> so I, I like to just edit as we go and kind of give nudges maybe, but that that's kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah, it uh, definitely falls more to the latter. So I have in the past made the mistake of, this is one of the things they talk about in the focal point, be careful when you're planning your campaign to put too much of what is ultimately going to happen in one character's arc. <laughs> and I did this early on. I, I had a game called The Oracle of Order. And one guy wrote a backstory and it just, you know, he, he was a, an orphan who didn't really know his mom and dad. And he grew up in this place, whatever. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect because I'm, you know, in this story, there was an emperor who had gone insane. And basically at the end of the campaign, you had to go into his mind via right. the old Psychonauts video game. Yeah, yeah. That. You go into oh, the yeah. insane mind. Uh, you had to go into this insane mind and go through a world that didn't have anything to do with our the laws of our physics or even just exactly magic and stuff that happens. It, it was crazy. Uh, and I thought, but you know, what's going to like be the, the thing at the end is this guy's character. His name is Ben. He was my brother-in-law. Uh, Ben's character is going to find out that he is the son of this emperor. Um, and that's, you know, he was like taken away and thought he was just an orphan with whose mom and dad, you know, nothing. And he's going to like make a huge difference in the end. Well, we got like a few sessions into the game and Ben could no longer play. <laughs> and so Ben's character was gone, uh, the player. Uh, and I had like put so much of like, oh no, this is how it's going to play out based on his character. And so I had to like, 
I had to retwist a lot of stuff to make it work. And I did. Uh, and I learned my lesson is you don't like plan the whole arc of someone out at the beginning. Yeah, you do sure. uh, rely on these rewrites. And I think you can have some beginning directions with thoughts of where it can go. So like in our, in my current campaign, the dormant mind that we've talked mm. a lot about in here, I had one section called the fields of the unfinished where each player uh, met someone significant uh, who had died, uh, like the ghosts who had unfinished business and re and gave them some bit of prophecy. Each of those in my mind had a direction that could go for a good part of this campaign. Some of them didn't do anything with their prophecy. Josh didn't go to Highland. Uh, <laughs> wasn't your fault. Uh, some of them barely did anything with them. Um, Brandon and his cup of blood, his father, like I, there was going to be a whole lot going on with like this criminal uh, underground and his part in that. And he just didn't even care about that too much. <laughs> so that, that shrunk, that part became less. And not, not that I had planned the whole campaign on either of those parts. Uh, and I'm not going to say anything about the others because who knows what <laughs> might happen with them. But everybody had, and this was part of what uh, Adam was talking about, the the orcs run on behalf of the twain head snake, you know, beware the smaller head. You know, that may become something. It may go away uh, depending on his character. Uh, but I had direction with all of these. And then based on what happens in all of our goings on, all of those things change. And I come up with some like amazing ideas that I hadn't even thought of back when I was at the fields of the unfinished. And I'm like, Ooh, I got something that's going to be awesome now because of some stuff they did. Yeah. And the cool thing is if you're, if you're pretty good at it, your players like look at all this and they think, man, you're so amazing. I didn't even <laughs> know that that person was going to be so important. And you're like, neither did I. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. it yeah. worked out, you know, like in the, in the Oracle of Order, I had this character named Rolo who was just a, a temple attendant. He was the guy who basically was the gatekeeper <laughs> and had a crazy interaction with Adam's character at that time um, that like everybody like got like into. And I, I, I made him up on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> that interaction then gave him this attitude that he like kind of was, uh, Oh, what's the word? Uh, not slanderous. He was uh, sarcastic a lot toward our party. And they like took the bait and like uh, he came back and then like he came back and he came, he like grew and grew and he became a huge part of that campaign. Um, and if they would have been looking back, they're like, oh man, we had no idea when we first met him that he was going to be this important. And the truth is, neither did I. But that's what made it so awesome was he, he really did become a cool uh, part of that story. So long answer, uh, mostly I let it happen organically, although I'll typically have in mind, where do I want them to grow toward? Uh, and so I think that's different than what exactly is going to happen. You know, like I may, you know, maybe my, my whole growth for Ragnar is I want to see him become a guy who in the beginning, all he did was want to get all the treasure and loot for himself. He would go around grabbing everything, sticking in his haversack and then forgetting to give any to anybody else. I want to see him turn into a person who is so giving uh, when he finds stuff. How am I going to make that happen? Well, that may be <laughs> impossible, but we'll see. Maybe I'll get in there. Ragnar, yeah. if you're watching this. <laughs> Nice. What's our next question? That's awesome. Yeah, I, I really like that term, grow toward. 
Um, yeah. I think we can look at that more too. So second question uh, has to do with maps uh, or planning out and mapping a city. Um, mm, Josh mm -hmm. asks, how do you plan and map out a city? I often find myself overwhelmed when my PCs venture into a large city or town as I'm worried I don't have the places or people mapped out to a T. Thanks, Josh. Uh, do you so, do anything particular? So when I first started, uh, I actually got this book. It was D&D 3.5, I think it was. What was that book called? Uh, yeah, Cities, Cityscape. Mm -hmm. And it just had like a whole bunch of city maps. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and try and reinvent the wheel. They've made some like great maps and it has like areas of the city and it has like lots of just generic, you know, building yeah. shapes. Some of them look important. And I took those maps and I just made them into my cities. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I would do is I didn't feel like I had to have everything in that city like mapped out to a T. Uh, I would have the main parts. So like uh, in this one city, my, my people went to, my party went to, uh, I knew that there was, well, I knew because one of them said, when we get to the city, my character goes to the red light district and whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so this is the red light district over here. Uh, and, uh, you know, he said that at the end of the last game. And so as we're going into the game, I'm like, okay, over here's the, you know, this is the, the, the rough area of town. And this is where you might find, you know, the red light district. And this is where, you know, the, and so I would pick maybe six or seven points. More importantly, I would think what big things have to happen in this city. And I'd make sure to, you know, have detail in those areas. There's a, what is it? Uh, people talk about like, are we in uh, artificial and uh, like in a video game? Are we basically in a, an artificial intelligence video game or a superior intelligence video game? And how do we know? And I've heard people talk about, you know, how in a video game, how the character and where you're at is like highly detailed. Well, in the video game itself, there is this, whoa, so I hit my microphone. There is this whole world um, that you can explore, but that whole world is not fully rendered in detail when you're not in it. As you're running to different places of the world or going to, those places render out, and the rest of it's all pretty generic. It's like right. polygons, you know? And so the people who are like, who, how do we know we're not in an AI, you know? And it's just whatever we're interacting with seems to be fully detailed, but like when, you know, that's what I do with my DM city maps. Um, where they're at gets highly detailed, um, and where they're not is not. And basically I'll pick out five or six places and then they may randomly take me to two places that they are like, oh, I want to go find a blacksmith who makes this. And I'm like, right. well, I didn't have one, but like, if I have to think of a blacksmith and I picture that let's detail it and show them that building, you know, but I don't worry about like filling out the whole city. Um, I worry about the the things that I want to make happen in that city. And I'll, I'll make sure those areas are there. And uh, then if they like really want something, I'll also throw that city in. And the cool thing is if I have that map, I'm just like, Oh yeah, that's right here. And I act very confident. I, mean, I pointed a place on the map. <laughs> as far as they know, that's, that's exactly yep. where it was always going to be. But all those other places I don't worry about. And if you're not actually using a map, you're using like, you know, just talking theater of the mind, as far as like going to places, same thing. I have the places in my head um, that I know things are going to happen, and I want them to be pretty detailed. The rest is is fairly generic unless somebody stops and looks at it more closely than like the computer engine in the video game. I make it more detailed. Yeah, for sure. I Anytime I have 
went crazy and made a city, the party stays in it for about 30 minutes of game time and then jets. And it's like, and, and then that know, one so, little, little village that you yeah. thought was just a blip. Uh -huh. We stay there for 12 yeah. days and it begin becomes so important with all the different little yeah. buildings in it. <laughs> Honestly. Um, I mean, that's happened recently. Um, I do really like, uh, I like the idea of populating a, um, like populating the cities or towns, like as the players interact with them. Um, but I also like having some special things. Um, so that's the thing when I'm thinking uh, in terms of that, I, there's, and it may not even, it may not even be like, oh, I know for sure there's like a quest given in this or an interaction that's going to happen, but just places I'm like, I think this would be important. Um, so there was like the Thieves Guild Warrens that, you know, I assumed that they would go to eventually. I kind of wanted to have that dealt with there. I am always assuming there's going to be a tavern involved somewhere. So having some things in my mind about like, this is what could, you know, look, I, the city that they the group started in, in the Jade Masks, um, that was one where I actually had like uh, three different taverns that uh, I wanted like specific themes to. So they would walk in and it would be like, this is not just the exact same tavern over and over and over again. If they walk into this to have like a con meet with a contact, there's something special about this place. Um, so there's stuff like that, but like as they come in, I want to have maybe a handful of things that I kind of have thought through, but then kind of let the group populate it on the fly. Like I want to go to that blacksmith or um, shopkeep and try to do that. But I do think like the, as you walk in, this is what you see is really important no matter what it is. Um, and that, that may even give, to me, that gives me time to be like the gears going. If they throw me off, you know, I, I want to go, I can't even think of, I, I want to go to the potions shop. And I'm like, oh man, I didn't even think about a specific thing. Okay. You walk in and the door, you know, kind of, it's pretty creaky. It seems like this place isn't taken care of very well. And as you open the door, you're hit with this acrid smell of all these herbs and different sounds of bubbling and, you know, the smoke is in the air. Like you're kind of, you can talk about those things and kind of create a place that's a little more something they're going to grab onto. Um, so I, I try to do that if it's not something I have planned, but then it's a thing and I need to make notes of it over here so that they can, come back to it. And, uh, that was one of the cities I had, um, that we ended up spending a lot of time in. And I just thought it was a pass through, um, in the game recently, it's called Bullens. Um, you know, I didn't even get very creative with the name of it because I'm just like, oh yeah, they're going to pass through Bullens on the way to whatever the plan was. But then there's, there's 40 places in Bullens that I have written down now because you guys all interacted with it, you know? So I think that's a cool way to, to do that for me. It helps. That's how it works for me at least. So the one thing I think is cool. Uh, first of all, memorable places, like he was talking about taverns. He has one called the Tavern of the Moon and the Sun or something like that. Yep. Memorable to me because one half of it is lit like daylight and the other half is dark with like very low lighting. And in my head, like that sticks out more than just like you walk into a tavern. So right. making something memorable like that. But then for, for cities, I think 
defining characteristics. So when they walk up to the city, what is it that they notice about this city? Is it like yeah. the, the huge walls that go all around the whole city uh, with the one building that dominates everything? Or is it like, yeah, I think it's Bullens that has like the, uh, uh, like islands, islands, islands of land and it's yeah. almost all water with like these islands that the buildings are sitting on. So like you picture that, or when we went to the gondola city and everything's like up on spires uh, connected by these wires, uh, oh, yeah. that these gondolas going, you know, something memorable, defining characteristic of a city, uh, that helps it like be more than just like generic city. Uh, Cause if you do just generic city, they really don't have anything to hook onto and cling yeah. onto in that. So yeah, think think. Sure. What's the defining characteristic of this city that you would notice from like looking at it, uh, and then like what's some like cool things that are memorable about some of the places? Right. Yeah. Well, we have uh, we got some other questions in the haversack, um, and we're going to be bringing those up in the future episodes. Uh, thank you all for writing in. Um, really, that's really been a really fun part for me is to. Yeah. answer these questions and and kind of have a little kind of off script stuff as we get to talk about that so thank you for writing in you can continue to do that um and we'll we'll definitely get to those as we go on all right guys yeah. well i think that brings us to the end of another episode of rise yeah. of the gm we thank you so much for joining us and we want you to join us next time as we talk about how to be the facilitator of a game join us then thank you <laughs>